Thank you for tuning into the Apostolic Pentecostal Church podcast. You are currently listening to one of our iGrow series lessons. If you're in the Bloomington, Illinois area and want to sit in person, feel free to join us Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. for Bible study and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for worship in the Word. Can't make it in person? No big deal. Find us on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram and search Apostolic Pentecostal Church. Either way, we'd love to fellowship and worship with you. We hope to see you. So uh, before we jump into the biblical parenting aspect, we're going to take just a minute and see what the Bible has to say about having children. Um, uh, Sometimes it's good to remember what the Bible says uh, about children before we parent them. Amen? Yeah. So be it. Is that good? (laughs) One of the first commandments given to the first human couple, Adam and Eve, was that they should be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth in Genesis 1.28. The very next command, God told Adam and Eve that they should subdue the earth and rule over the creatures in it. So they were to be fruitful and multiply, and then they were to subdue the earth in that order. These were commandments um, given by God. Uh, God was pleased for people to have children uh, to continue to display His glory. Children aren't for our glory. Children are for His glory. That's the biblical uh, idea and concept of the children. It was to continue to carry that uh, practice of worship to Him from you to your children to your children to your children. Um, His glory and dominion over the world that He made. This was all about Him. This was all in context of the Lord. Children are not for us to use and abuse. Children are, are given to us as a gift. Both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, the people were assured that by their children, they would be blessed. I have four. Sometimes I wonder. (laughs) But I have to remind myself biblically, right? Because this is what this class is about, is biblically. They are a blessing. They are a blessing to me. And I need to remember that. And I need to daily tell myself, the same way that I wake up and surrender to the Lord, I need to daily remind myself. So those of you that don't, have children yet, those of you that have young children and they're cute and they're cuddly, just wait till they get 16 and then you got to remember that they are a blessing. Am I doing good? Um, Acts 2.39 says, For the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your children and for all who are far away, including the Gentiles. I'm using the Amplified Bible here. Uh, as many as the Lord our God uh, calls to Himself. Our children are a part of the, the uh, promise that God has. They are part of the promise and they are part of the blessing. Isaiah 44 and 3 says, For I will pour out water on him who is thirsty and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Uh, the Bible is, is a constant reminder of children. And so it's a good place to start when we talk about biblical parenting to know what God thinks of the children. Because if we don't have the same mindset of the children that God does, we're probably missing what we're supposed to be as parents. Psalms 127, 3-5 says this, Behold, children are a heritage and a gift from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the, <clears throat> so are the children of one's youth. Uh, how blessed... Happy and fortunate is the man whose quiver is filled with them. Uh, They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in gatherings at the city gate. Uh, That was something that was common in the Old Testament. They would go to the the gate of the city to do all of their business. And I'm guessing the one that had the 12 kids, he was the loudest. Uh, One, because it's not quiet in his home. Uh, But two, because he was the most boastful. Um, about what was taking place in his household and and the promises uh, and the blessing that God has placed on him. Um, It's countercultural today to have a lot of kids. Um, Some today discourage having children in general. Uh, There's been a shift in family values encouraging abortions. Uh, I'm sure you've all uh, heard and read, and even if you don't watch the news, uh, abortion rate is higher now than it was 10 years ago because it's encouraged because children are often looked at as burdensome Um, abortions and they limit to how many kids you can have um, and the means and the knowledge we we wait till we have the right amount of finances we wait till we have the right amount of education we wait till we get to the right stage now the only stage when it comes to having children should really be marriage 
And at that point of marriage, you know, you should just allow the Lord to do what He wants because, uh, well, I'll get there in a minute. Uh, today's society's uh, family size is driven by finances. People often want more material possessions and more free time than more kids. Uh, I will tell you, having four children, we don't have a lot of free time, do we? <laughs> and I will tell you, having one child, having two children, having however many children you have, a child takes up time. Yeah. Takes, takes time. And if we're just worried about our own selfish desires, well, that child is not going to be a blessing to us the way that God had intended. Um, so many people, uh, any, what does it say? Uh, many people in here waiting to have kids until you can afford them. The yellows are questions you're supposed to ask for conversation. Oh, that's great. Great point. <laughs> I wish I could read better. How many people in here waiting to have kid, are waiting to have kids? This is bad gr grammatically put together sentence. How many people in here waited to have kids until you could afford them? How many people waited to have kids until you could afford them? You actually waited. You're like, okay, now our finances are good. We can have kids. Grandma Plu. Did you wait to have children until you could afford that? No, no, you did not. Your second one you did? Yeah, first okay. one's an accident. She was a surprise. <laughs> a surprise. That's a better way to put it. We love her. I, I, think, I think for us, our second one, we were just more, um, in, just we really wanted to be comfortable. We made, we made a conscious decision at, the, at, a, at a specific time. But you didn't have all the money, though, did you? No. No. Okay. no. So you didn't wait. You just had, you wanted to hit a certain point. When you hit that point, you were. How about anybody else want to add in, pipe in? Smiths, did you wait? Yes. <laughs> also, I wanted to tag too. I also, it wasn't mostly about the financial decision. It was mostly about my mental decision to have children. Um, just because with the first one, there was so much change and it came by surprise that when I, um, I you know, we, we approached the topic of children again, I knew that I wanted to be. Um, my physically prepared and mentally as well to be able to handle both. I think it was our second, I think our second son had just been born, was it Riley? I lost my job. Landon. Landon, right, like right after four he was weeks born. Old. He was four weeks old. And so it, when it comes to children and finance, you could never, like, he was four weeks old. He had already been born. It's not like we were planning that. I had a job, and then I lost that job. And she had to immediately go right back to work. Um, and so when it comes to finances, and, and that's wisdom, getting a plan together. But when it comes to finances and children, we can't always have that. Right. And, and we have had ups and downs with each and every one of our uh, children financially. But it has nothing to do with them. It's really more to do with us as parents planning and, and making sure that, that they are secure. So next question. All right, I got these yellow things down. So here we go. How many people only in here had as many kids as they could afford? Is that right? Yep. Uh, is that right? Yeah. How many people only had as many as you could afford? Rich? So that's it. They're too expensive. Yeah, we were too happy with just one. But, uh, I mean, Gave in. What was it? Saying, no, I just... I would say, I, I'll be honest, I really didn't want kids. Okay. You know, outside, I know this is biblical marriage, but... No, this is biblical parenting. Yeah, exactly, whatever it is. Sorry, yeah, here we go. But, uh, but uh, my wife wanted kids, and so... Lana it's a good along. compromise. Yeah. So, yeah. so Lana came along, and I was happy with just stopping at the one, because I, mean, I didn't have the greatest job in the world, and you know, I didn't want to get into debt so much that you're living well below what you can't afford. Mm -hmm. Or, yeah, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I was happy with one, but then she's like, she didn't want an only child. So, yeah. so you compromised in that. Again. I didn't, she had <laughs> But yes, yes. You are a great compromiser. <laughs> Anybody else? Want to add to that? No? No. I mean, just... So, yeah, that's that's a good point. Unfortunately, to kind of what he was leading on to and, and tying finances into all this, society has decided when enough sometimes for people is yeah. enough yeah. based on monetary value. Sure. And that's, I, I, I kind of 
hit that in the wrong direction. But the decision is, is if we all had abundance, your probably decision on how many kids you'd have would maybe change. Maybe not you, Rich. It, but for some people, it might. That, that decision might change. I, I know that if, if finances wasn't a... Uh, even a part of the question, I would probably be 12. We'd probably have 12, 14. As many as as Cindy wanted to have. <laughs> um, just because children are a blessing. They are. And, and that's that's kind of what I'm trying to hit on this point is, is that they are a blessing. And when we start looking at them differently as monetary value or or what society says that now we have to get a conversion van because we have so many, then we're having kids for the wrong reason. And the reason should be the biblical reason. Uh, you'll never make enough money to have kids. Am I right? You'll never make enough money. Key point number one to remember about biblical parenting if you're taking notes or if this is on your sheet, kids are a blessing. And that's something that you have got to ingrain in your mind. That first moment that they're born and they're the cutest as cutest can be, that you have to remember that they're a blessing. Uh, make sure they know uh, that you think they are a blessing. That's important too because the older they get, you're not going to go, oh, you're so sweet because they're going to slap your hand. Yes. And so it's important the older they get that you remind them that they're a blessing. Because if you're not reminding them that you're a blessing, chances are you're reminding them you're you're reminding them that they're something else, and they pick on that pick up on that stuff really quick. Uh, sometimes when we discuss biblical parenting or just parenting in general, uh, we think it's the child that needs to grow, um, and that's that's not the case. Uh, while the child is growing and learning, and they are learning from us the good, the bad, and the ugly, the child is actually growing by our example. And if we're not growing, chances are they're going to come to a point where they're going to stop growing as well. They're still going to go this way and go this way, but mentally they're only going to go to that certain certain point. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, if as a parent, if as parents we think that we have all the right ideas and don't need to change, then we're probably fooling ourselves. Just like the Christian walk should be a growing walk, we should we as parents should be growing throughout our life, out throughout the lives of our children, no matter our age, uh, no matter the age of our children. There should be a constant growth pattern that's taking place in our parenting. Grandma Plue, you still parent your children, don't you? Yeah. You do. You never stop. You never stop parenting. And so, as parents, you go through pregnancy to small child to middle-aged child to teenage children, you know, to, to adolescents, to college, to married, to, to elders, and, and all of this, you, you, you still parent them. You don't get to a certain age where you stop parenting your kids. And if we don't continue to grow ourselves biblically, it's going to be really hard to biblically parent. Parenting is a challenge. Does anybody agree with that statement? Yes. Good, because it was highlighted with question marks on my notes. But as a challenge, it's also an honor, and it brings us joy. Uh, do you remember when your child took your first step and how proud you were of them? You remember those moments? Not yet. It's coming. You're going to remember. Then they started to talk, and you just wanted them to stop. <laughs> You're with me now, aren't you, Rich? <laughs> but that same moment that you were so proud that they took that first step, as parents, we have to remember that they're a blessing when they become 16 and they start driving and you barely see them because if you don't, it's going to be in a flash and they're going to be gone and we need to take advantage of that. They're the same child, the same little kid that was that sweet little kid that took those first steps is the same kid that now sometimes we look at and wonder as they get older. Uh, we should have the same joy as parents for our kids in every moment because I believe has that same joy for us. Amen? I believe God has joy for us. And when he looks down upon us, he looks us in that way. Uh, go ahead. So biblical parenting, it's about being Christ-like to our children. Uh, as a parent, we need to always be reflecting Christ. And that's not always the easiest thing to do because we're human in our own flesh and nature. We're not perfect, but we have been given a perfect example of how to love, nurture, and teach our children. So in Colossians 3.20, it says, Children, obey your parents as God's representatives. We are God's representatives to these children. 
In all things, for this attitude of respect and obedience is well-pleasing to the Lord and will bring you God's promised blessings. So children are commanded to obey. That commandment comes with a purpose and a promise. The reason they should obey and honor us as the parent is because it's a way to please the Lord, not because we said so. Mm -hmm. And that's something we need to ingrain in them is not always that quick uh, knee-jerk reaction of do it because I said so, but we do this because this pleases the Lord. And we teach obedience at a young age because as we grow older and mature in the Lord, he's teaching us obedience constantly. Mm -hmm. There's times when he'll say, go speak to Joe, and you'll be like, Go speak to Joe, you know, and so he's testing our obedience and we go speak to Joe and we find out then why, or maybe we never even know why, but it's all him seeing if I can trust you with these little things, I can give you something much bigger. And so as we raise these beautiful little human beings, we need to teach them that obedience is what pleases the Lord and it is a lifelong process of obedient, obeying him. I enjoyed this um this kind of really spoke to me because I'm, I'm quick when it comes to my children. I'm, can be really quick. I want you to do it, and I want you to do it now because I said so. Well, then I started to think about my own personal walk with the Lord and how many times have God just said to me, do it because I said so. Zero. Right. Zero. He, he has always had patience, and he's always took me to this example, this example, and this example. But, but if we're not careful, we can be so quick because we have other things going on that our kids just become this burden that do it because I said so. so. And just like we don't want to hear that. We don't want someone to say do it because I said so, neither do they. They don't want to hear that either. They really do want to know why. Yeah. And why. And why. Yes. <laughs> and why. The next verse down, Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not provoke or irritate or exasperate your children with demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive, nor by favoritism or indifference. Treat them tenderly with loving kindness so they will not lose heart and become discouraged or unmotivated with their spirits broken. A lot of those words in there sound like a mother, but it's, this is specifically to the father. Because we know that traditionally the, the father is the authoritarian and the mother is the nurturer. The father is a disciplinary and the mother is the caregiver. But in this example, God is telling us that that father needs to also have tender, tenderness towards their children. And they need to have loving kindness. And that's not something that always comes natural for all men. But again, we're growing and we're learning to be more Christ-like as we become parents and we mature in God's word and in parenting. And it also talks about how the way that we treat our children, how it can discourage them or unmotivate them or even break their spirits. And that is heartbreaking to me because you don't realize sometimes the impact of your words until you really say something in a positive way and you see that reaction. But when you say something negative, they usually just go and hide and deal with that on their own. You don't see that necessarily. But words are life and death, and we speak those. And so we just have to be so careful about how we're molding these beautiful little children because they're getting all of that discouragement and all of that harsh stuff outside in the world, in school and everywhere else. But when they're at home with their mom and their dad, that needs to be a place of safety. That needs to be a place where they're healing and they're being molded and developing, not a place where they're being broken. And a lot of these uh, are just things that we, not all of us have achieved, but it does bring an opportunity for, for true growth. Sometimes we as parents put so much on our kids that we exasperate them. And this word is in there twice. And that just means like infuriate or frustrate. Biblical parenting, again, is not about making the kids better. It's about making us better as parents. And when we're better, then they become better. And I do realize the only reason it's happening when they become frustrated um, or irritated is... Um, is because we are not showing long-suffering. Many times, Jesus is so patient. Like Josh had said, you know, God asks us to do something, and if we don't do it immediately, he's not going to never ask us to do something again. He gets another opportunity. He's long-suffering. He doesn't give up on us. And those are the same um, characteristics that we want to display to our children. 
And we don't want to provoke them. We don't want to provoke them to anger or to behave in a way that is unpleasing to God. And I believe we'll answer for that on Judgment Day on how we had our children, um, how they responded. So we do know that discipline is of the Lord. We all agree with that, right? We need to discipline our children. But we cannot be so heavy-handed that we discourage our children. That's not biblical. And heaven forbid we even provoke them to bitterness. That is not our goal at all. So when we were uh, started to do the study for this, we are we're not standing here as perfect parents. What we're standing here as growing parents. And you'll you'll hear some some things that that we're saying about you know the wrath and and uh, breaking a child's spirit and and it's not that a, it's a talking down conversation it's a talking across because if we if we all don't grow there's a whole world out there waiting just to grab our kids and and literally we're like well we need to go to our school board and we need to fight against this theory and that theory no no we just need to be biblical parents. Because if you're a biblical parent, I'm pretty sure train up a child the way that it should go. It might be in there later on. But if we biblically raise our kids the way that God ordained, we don't have to worry what we send them into. Right. You, you can literally send them into hell your, themselves, and they're going to come out as gold tried in fire. They're, right. they're going to come because they have that biblical foundation at home. Now, if, if, if you are like me and you're finding yourself sometimes, uh, what was that big word that you used? Exasperate? And you're finding that your children are exasperating you. And so you are exasperating them because you're both frustrated. And then it just becomes this. You might find yourself there. But if we don't learn from that, it's just going to constantly be this. Especially when you have teenagers. Especially when you have teenagers. Especially <laughs> when you have boys. <laughs> because they're going to challenge. When girls are going to challenge girls. It's just the, the natural part of who we are. So, so please don't, um, don't take this lesson like we're up here like we know it all. Because we don't. It's a biblical study that, that we walk through. And, and we, learned, we learned a ton uh, from this just in ourselves. But don't think you have it all figured out. If you already think you got it all figured out, um, I'm sorry, you're, you're wrong. Um, number four. Um, no, not number four. Number four. Oh, no, four godly four. traits uh, that are key to biblical parenting. Number one, godly kindness. Um, I realize maybe you're rolling your eyes uh, because you think, well, duh, I need to be kind to my kids. Uh, but in the heat of a moment, we're not always kind to our kids, let alone kind to other people. You know, you, you could take godly parenting and you can transfer this to all aspects of your life, to be quite honest. Because our kids, what our children are, is, a, is we are a witness of God to our kids. You want to talk about being a witness? It starts at home before ever is going to start at your job. And if you're not witnessing, this is just the outreach side of me. If you're not witnessing at home to your children, you're not doing it at work. So um, when we talk about kindness, it, it just relates that way. Uh, this one for me has been a journey, and let me explain a little bit. Um, when it comes to parenting, I can often be a heavy-handed parent. You can ask my children. I asked them if they wanted to teach this with me, and they laughed. They said no. Um, and so we, we cannot forget that our kids are an example of who we are. Our kids are going to reflect us. And so if we're coming at them with no kindness, with just a, because I said so, that's what they're going to be. And you know what's going to irritate you more than that? When they do the same things that you do, and you look at them, and you're like, quit acting like me. <laughs> and that's really going to irritate you. So we have to really make sure that we are one in, in, the, in the Lord ourselves. You know, you can't have biblical parenting without the Bible. And you can't have godly parenting without the Lord. And so we need to make sure that's in ourselves. Uh, parental authority can be taken too far. Uh, it can be a perversion of discipline. Parental authority is where uh, we see ourselves, uh, is where you see every disobedient as an open challenge to your authority. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. No? Maybe a little bit. Uh, Jay, you been there yet? What's that? Where he challenges everything you say? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he just starts crying. I want the bottle. Quit crying. <laughs> uh, you might make, uh, it's a challenge to your authority. You might make rigid rules or flaunt your authority, becoming a tyrant instead of a parent. 
Uh, biblical parenting is not about being a tyrant. It's about being a parent. It's being responsible for the blessing that God has placed in our life. Uh, a parent in this state, a uh, parental authority state, a parent makes inappropriate punishment uh, with big penalties for small things. Has anybody ever punished their kid? I won't raise my hand, but I might have done this. For something really small, and then you, you made this big claim like, we will never have Christmas in this house again. <laughs> or, you will never eat <laughs> again. <laughs> Right, but you get the concept of what I'm talking about. It's something so small they did. They they knocked over a water bottle and water spilled out. And all of a sudden you said, you will never drink water in this house again. <laughs> and why do we do that? Because we, we become authoritarian in ourselves and we see these small things as challenges. Uh, often, oftentimes in this instance, we fail to listen to the child or even process what the issue is, literally just a bottle of water fell over. But for some reason, because everything else going on in your life, you blew up in that moment. You didn't allow the child to speak. You didn't allow the event to even be processed. You were basically like a bull. And all you saw was red and you just began to charge in. Uh, most of the time in this parental state, we can lose sight on what the child is, is struggling with instead of helping them to find a better, the better way to deal with the problems. We can miss the whole problem in and of itself um, and, and not really parent the way that we are. Uh, this is probably more of a dad issue sometimes in parenting, uh, I would say. Um, but I'm not sure that that's always the case in today's world. Uh, I think mothers... Um, and fathers, because sometimes we're playing a duality role. Is it empty? Oh, you have more handouts. Um, sometimes I think because we're playing a dual role, the way society has the house set up now, um, I think mothers uh, need to need to watch uh, this just as well as fathers nowadays. Um, a parent displaying parental authority thinks anything less than a quick, harsh punishment shows weakness. When we display this attitude, we forget that children are just like us and have flesh just like us. And by this definition, they have been born into sin just like us. And we forget that because we think that they're 40 years old and they're just two. And we think that they've lived 40 years of life because that's how our mind processes it so quick. And we think that they should be just perfect. But really, they're the same human being as we were at two, knocking water bottles over and spilling stuff all over and just, just going through life. But we judge them in a different way by being harsh. Uh, we try to force them to behave a certain way, not teaching them the real importance of godly behavior and attitude. By being so quick to punish, we don't show them the long-suffering of God. And then we wonder why when they get older, they walk away. Because they see God as just a judge sitting up on a throne looking to punish, 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 because that's the only thing that we display. Uh, we never learn how sad uh, or offended or offended that God is, the God who loves us, looks at us that way. We never realize how sad when we make a mistake He looks at us. He doesn't look at us with judgmental eyes. He looks at us with that mercy and that grace. And if we never do that to our children, we never give them the biblical uh, understanding of who He is. Uh, we are called as parents not to be lords over their lives. Our children need our help. Um, they, do not need our, they do not just need correction and appropriate punishment, but they need patience and kindness and, and, the, and God's Word uh, to be shown by example. All right, number two. I beat you, sorry. Got it. Godly correction. So we've got quite a few scriptures in this section. Uh, we're going to start with Proverbs 13.24, and this says, He who withholds the rod of discipline hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines and trains him diligently and appropriately with wisdom and love. Now, a lot of times we, don't, we hear that he who withholds the rod of discipline hates his son. We only hear that part of that scripture, and that really is... I'm going to beat the tar out of you because that's what the Bible says, that if I don't do that, then I don't love you. So we only hear that. But the second part, you know, talks so beautifully about that we are training them and disciplining them appropriately. Mm -hmm. And that also goes for age. You can't punish a two-year-old the same way you punish your 12-year-old. They don't have, you know, there is 
a, a perfect age for discipline and for kinds of dis discipline, but we do it with wisdom and with love. And that's what's missing a lot of times when you hear of just someone getting the tar beat out of them is that wisdom and love. Now, there probably is love behind that or wisdom, but that needs to be displayed in a different manner. Proverbs 25 and 15 says... We don't promote beating the tar out of anybody either, so don't tell pastor biblical parenting we'll and told us to beat the tar out of We'll get there. But that's what you think of when you hear that statement. Um, someone who justifies it. So by patient and a calm, by patience and a calm spirit, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft and gentle tongue breaks the bone of resistance. And I know that we've learned this personally through kind of dealing with some of our stronger-willed children. Um, but if you are hot-headed, then you end up with a hot-headed child. And if you go to them with patience and a gentle tongue, then that's what you're going to get in return most of the time. You may have to soften them up a little bit because those teenagers, they, they're pretty sure that they're right no matter what, how soft or gentle you are. But you can convince them, and it does say that it will break that bone of resistance. They're going to be more willing to talk to you if you are not coming at them in, a, in aggression. Correction is biblical. The rod that Solomon was talking about is not the focus, and it's not singled out as the only recommended means, just using as an example of a common use of correction. Um, it is not the only way to correct. That wasn't it. That's not what he's saying. Godly's cor godly correction is not intended to teach children to avoid bad behavior. It is intended to teach why the behavior is bad and the biblical reason for it. And that's something that I do feel like is so common. We say, no, don't do that, don't do that. And then we never follow it up with, this is the why. This is, this is the reason. It's because it's for your protection. Or it's because this isn't good for your brain to be on the Xbox for 40 hours a week. Or, you know what I mean? Like, if we just say, I'm cutting your time down, they don't understand the why. And so it is important to make sure that they understand the correction. I do remember when I was younger... And we were wonderful angels all growing up and never got in trouble. But the one time that we did, uh, I do remember when I would get a spanking. Um, I remember always afterwards, my dad would come in and he would lay by me because I was always very emotional when I got a spanking. And probably much like Ashlyn, it just, you know, I was very it's tender. Only, only one time in your life. Though, no, right? as many times. But I deserved everyone. But, um... He would lay or sit by me and he would say, Honey, I, this hurt me more than you. I never believed that till I was a parent. And then he would talk to me, just talk to me about why I did what I did and what was the reason. And it was my dad who came in and did that. And that has always been this weird, beautiful relationship between my father and I because he would be the one to, to correct me and then he would be the one to come in and we talk it out and we talk through it. So, Dad, you guys have such a beautiful and important role. Godly correction should never harm a child physically. And on top of that, physical punishment should never be more, should, I'm sorry, should never be used in an atmosphere of frustration or anger. You hear this a lot. Like, I am so angry with you, you need to go to your room because I need a time out from you so I can think. You know, and then you get your wits together and then you talk about punishment the next day or especially if it's something really large. You don't have to resolve it at that moment. Let them marinate. Let them worry. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? What are they going to take away? Um, it's good for them to sit there and think about it without immediately being punished. And how can, you, can you imagine if God immediately punished us when we messed up? I mean, we wouldn't have time to hide and get to the altar. We'd immediately be punished. And, um, go ahead. Think about your road rage, you know? If you were like honking at someone and he gave you a flat tire. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have road rage. I don't have road rage. I don't think. <laughs> no, <you don't. laughs> just kidding. I, I have heard a lot. I'll just interject in yeah. here. I've had a, heard a lot, and, and not that I've used it because my parents go to this church and don't let my parents think that they weren't perfect parents, but I've heard a lot of people say, well, this is just the way that I was raised. Mm. You, you can't say that. Right. You, you have been put under the blood. You now have a new, you've put on a new creature, a new man. You're walking in the new man. That, that, that is the old man. That is why this is biblical parenting. If this was just a parenting class, I wouldn't want no part of it. Because you can parent your kids however you want today. You can even let them make the rules. That's not biblical parenting. And so just because we may have been raised a certain way doesn't mean that lines up with the scripture. Because no parent is perfect. Sorry. 
I think that is just, it's a little bit off of our normal topic, topic but one of our biggest challenges uh, in our marriage was agreeing on parenting because his parents had one type of parenting style and mine had a completely different parenting style and ours were both right. Yes. My way was right and his way was uh, right. Because look at how I turned out. And he always said that. <laughs> I turned out all right. Well, she says so the same. Mind. She says the same thing. So there's got to be something, you know, and that was hard. Be prepared, you guys, with these new babies. It's easy when they're little, but wait till they start breaking rules and they get into that age where they need to start being accountable. Solve that stuff now because it's really challenging when when you have different ideas of how to care for um Something or if someone thinks it's a big deal and someone thinks it's not a big deal, we're not gonna, you know. Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit later with in regard to consistency. Yeah, it's important. But I do think that's something that just be prepared for if you're a new parent that that is something that's challenging. But I love what you said about it doesn't really matter, even though in our mind it's ingrained that that's how we are to treat our children. We should be really transforming to the Word of God and not, you know, from the old man or from our past. Okay, so um, we oftentimes fail as parents and we teach our children that the proper response to being frustrated or upset is physical violence. You don't think about that, but your kid goes to do something, you smack their hand. No, no, no. So, and then they start hitting and then you hit them back. Don't hit. <laughs> kind of funny, but that's what we do, right, as parents. Um, but we're teaching them that, that when you're upset or you don't get your way, you're, you be physical. So the rod must be used for correction, but it must be used with discretion because reproof is generally 100 times better um, than 100 spankings. So reproof is just an expression of disapproval. You let them know, I don't approve of this. Letting you down and speaking those words is going to be more effective. And we did learn this with one of our strong-willed child children. The rod did not bother that child at all so that wasn't the way to go you have to learn you know this is not an effective way and sometimes there's timeouts in, in today's culture I'm not I'm not a huge big timeout fan but what I learned is actually the timeout is for me yeah because in that moment of anger you can lash out the timeout isn't just for the child to reflect the timeout is actually for the parent to take time to reflect and we look at it as like oh you're getting out of trouble going sitting over there in the corner no as a parent or parents we should be having a conversation like, okay, how do we handle this? Not smack, smack right. Johnny real quick. Right. So God teaches us more by his mercy and instruction than by his punishment. And we've mentioned that, but it's very true. When he shows mercy, we want to do better. We want to try harder. We don't want to continue in that sin cycle. When we are successful with our instruction and encouragement and plan appropriate punishments, which are consistently carried out, we may never need to use the rod at all. So there's, you know, that's a last resort, not the first reaction. And that's after we tried many things. So how often has your kid acted out when everything else is not going the best? A lot of times when the kid comes home and is acting a certain way, there could have been something at school that has happened. It could be hormonal or emotional. You know, there's a whole lot of things going on in these little teenagers. So is it is. Their parents are going to be. Um, but it's just one or more thing, and so we end up taking our frustration out on um, their frustration. And so you got to really kind of tune into what's going on. Or how about you had a bad day, and you come home, and Still they're, not, they're not being perfect, and you just want a little piece of quiet, and then the bear comes out because you just want everybody to be quiet. Right, yeah. Godly correction is instruction, encouragement, mercy, a planned and appropriate punishment with warnings, and then more mercy, long-suffering, and then you might get to the rod. But you're not going to get there if you're showing all of these wonderful attributes. Naomi? Um, so how do you kind of like balance that with um, your child not getting to the point where they feel like you're not being serious about than changing their behavior? Um, I think that's that consistency. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, gonna, I'm warning you, I'm giving you a warning, and if not, then this is going to be the punishment. That doesn't mean it's necessarily a spanking, but it could be, well, we're at the device stage, so I will turn your time off on your phone, and then we'll progress into it. But I, if you're wishy-washy, 
they're never going to listen. But if you're consistent and you are on the same team, they'll, they'll pitch you against each other pretty quick too, especially if you have different ideas on how things should go. So you have to be on the same team. And we learned pretty quick we have to have that same front, even if we don't agree. We'll discuss it in the bedroom later um, and then just carry out that punishment. And I think sometimes, That's hard yeah, sometimes, sometimes it's consistency just in the message. Yeah. Like if you're both on the same, if uh, I'll relate this to the garden, uh, Adam was told not to eat of the fruit. He told Eve not to go around the tree. The serpent was able to weave similar. I'm not referring to our kids as the serpent, but they will figure out a way to say, well, dad said this, but mom said this. And so there is a point when a kid can't communicate that, you know, but it shouldn't be an anger. But there might be that because you don't want them to burn themselves on the stove. But usually when you do that, you explain, you hug. And, you know, that's the same biblical context that, that we're kind of referring to is maybe get away from the quick act of punishment as the correction and more of the long suffering that Jesus showed to the Israel or that God showed to Israel all throughout all the way until Isaiah when he brought that punishment uh, into Babylon. We haven't mastered it yet, <laughs> so 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 uh, please. Uh, it is a journey, literally, that you're going to take a step in how to do it, and you might make a mistake. But I think the part about it being biblical parenting is you're constantly growing in it. And to today, you're not a perfect parent, and as long as you understand you're not perfect, I think you constantly will will build into that. I think that's important too because as you have imperfections, you need to you need to be willing to apologize to your child and say I messed up, I got too angry, I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have behaved that way, I shouldn't have yelled at your dad or you know what I mean like we yeah. mess up. Yeah. But we need to be able to tell the child like we're sorry and they need to see us mimic like healthy relationships because not every relationship is perfect there are in a healthy relationship there is sometimes disagreements but we need to make sure that they see that that we're mimicking okay we can work together we can get through this um, but Naomi the answer to your question is definitely consistency I would say if you say I'm going to take that away if you do that one more time you better take that away when they do that one more time and even if that hurts there's been so many times that it's just like oh I hate that they're in punishment right now I hate it it hurts but you just got to do it. Got to get through it. I enjoy it, but I'm growing, but I'm growing as a person. <laughs> well, um, lashing out of personal frustration or embarrassment, we know that that's not okay, and we just mentioned that. But the Bible tells us that even more, even the most perfect child may rebel. And if we look in Proverbs, beat you to it, sorry. Proverbs 13 and 1 says, um, it says, a wise son heeds and accepts and is the result of his father's discipline and instruction. But a scoffer does not listen to reprimand and does not learn from his errors. So we all see those children who are excellent children and you think, wow, uh, their parents have done something right. Well, clearly they figured out this discipline and instruction and that is the result of it. Proverbs 30 and 11 says, There is a generation or a class of people that curse its father and does not bless its mother. And this is, I feel like that's where we're at right now. There's that respect has broken down. There's not a lot of people who um, feel like they still need to respect their parents or obey or honor even their parents. Regardless, the Bible doesn't give any contingencies on what they've done or their personality. It doesn't say, if this then, it's you just need to honor and Bless your mother and your father. Proverbs 19.26 says, He who assaults his father and chases away his mother is a son who brings shame and disgrace. There are biblical examples where, God, where godly parents grieved over rebellious children. Um, but there is no evidence given in those cases that the parents had failed to be good parents. Um, can you think of any example off the top of your head of parents in the Bible who had children who rebelled or did some, some something that was not in line with what God would want? All of them? <laughs> Pretty much, yes. <laughs> the whole Old Testament? Yeah. Absalom? Yes? He had a lot of hair. You got one, Jessica? Samson. Oh, I thought I saw a hand. Samson? 
Yeah, he was, yeah. Eli's sons. Yep. Esau. Mm-hmm, yep, exactly. Jacob, Cain. Cain. Yes, there, it's all, all throughout the Bible. Even the prodigal son talks about how, you know, he took his dad's wealth, uh, his inheritance, and ran and spoiled it and then came back. So all throughout the Bible, that's our guide. That's our, our guidebook for this life. And we see that time and time again, children, they, maybe, they did not do what the parents wanted. But it didn't mean that that parent didn't do everything in their power to raise good children. But Brother Josh talked about it. You know, you lay that foundation for them. That's all we can do is just be a beautiful light and lay a foundation for them and see um, them come back. We've made it to 7.54. Oh, no, that, your clock is wrong. Okay. Woo! That's right over there. Okay. All right. So um, the second point here is there are no perfect parents. None. There is no perfect parent. That being said, there is no perfect way for a parent to discipline or um, instruct their child that will remove that sinful nature from that child. There's nothing we can do that's going to remove the sinful nature. Instruction and encouragement, though, will hopefully lead them to Jesus and not cause them to rebel. You can't discipline your kids to Calvary, which is unfortunate. I wish we could all get them to Calvary in any way that we needed to, um, especially some of those parents who have kids that are prodigals. But godly correction does lead them to consider it. And my last scripture here is Hebrews 10:24, and it says, "And let us consider thoroughly how we may encourage one another to love and to do good and to do good deeds." So she had made a statement that there are no perfect parents. That's not an excuse not to try to be one. It's, it's the same with our Christian walk. Like When we talk about biblical parenting, it is same, the same reflection as how we should walk as Christians. It's, it's the same growth pattern. Uh, I've said this again, but it really is hitting home with me. They literally are little witnesses that we are leading to Christ. They just live in our home and they eat all of our food. <laughs> so uh, this is actually a two-week. We're not going to get through everything tonight. This is a two-week. And we want to take some time for questions. So I don't know who's coming back next week if you're in this. Oh, by the way, next week is Tuesday. Our service is on Tuesday night. I was supposed to say that at the beginning, but I forgot because of Thanksgiving. We don't have church next Wednesday, so it's on a Tuesday. Uh, But if you're coming back, bring some questions uh, because we don't have enough to fill two hours. I mean, there's a lot in the Scripture. Don't don't get me wrong, but, but we don't have the content or I don't think you want to sit and listen to us talk about it for two hours so we'd like to explore some of these questions like sister naomi had brought up we don't have the answer but there's a lot of knowledge in this room you know we were just the two that were chosen to teach the class we're not experts so we would you know open open up for some discussion and uh, have some conversations um, in regard to it so i'm going to go on number three point number three we'll hit point number four uh, next week is godly structure On the flip side of a parent who punishes too much um, is the one who doesn't punish at all. I've never been able to grasp that one. (laughs) Just because there's a part of me that just really enjoys the punishment. I know, pray for me, pray for me. Um, But I do know and I have seen parents who don't punish. And when I see that child... Probably the same way they see mine. I just see that child longing for some structure. Yeah. And, and maybe they see mine as somebody who needs to be released from the structure. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a balance. But biblical parenting is about providing a godly structure for our children to thrive in. Um, hasn't God given us structure? I mean, He just didn't give us this book. And say, figure it out. You know, he put a plan in there. Uh, He walked us from the garden all the way to the cross, you know, and he he made provisions and plans and promises. And if we just have kids and we don't do any of that, um, as parents, we can we cannot neglect our duties. God has given us in his word about teaching our children. Um, Whenever we don't provide structure, we we do that. We, We neglect the way that our children, our child children, whatever you, whatever you have, is the way that they are supposed to be raised. And we neglect our duties. And so that blessing has now turned into a burden. And that burden is what we have to go home and see every day at 3.30 or 2.30 or whenever they get out of school. That burden is meets us at our bed in the morning 
because they're hungry. You know what I'm saying? And, and it, gets, it gets out of context and it gets out of, out of whack and then we don't provide them any structure. Why don't we provide structure? Because we're too overwhelmed ourselves. Because we haven't given everything in our life over to God. So back once again, if, if we're not in the Bible ourselves, and just because you come to church doesn't mean you're in the Bible. If, if we're not biblically sound ourselves, then, then we can't be biblical parents. Um, we have to create a structure for both ourselves and our kids. Um, by not creating a structure, we shout. When it, have you ever been in a... You, you use this perfect example on uh, your Sunday night sermon. When you don't, when you're not prepared, and their fire came, and I'm just going to call you out again, Ryan. And Ryan stepped between the fire, and she didn't want to know what to do. They didn't have a plan for the field catching on fire, did they? So there was a little bit of panic. If you don't have a plan, and this leads a little bit to consistency, if you don't have a plan as parents, you're going to shout because that's what you do when you don't know what else to do. You shout. You try to be the loudest one in the room. Because the loudest one in the room gets all the attention. And as a parent, it goes back to that authoritarian. You want all of the attention. You want everybody focused on you because you just want it to be quiet. So why as parents, when we want quiet, do we shout? <laughs> I never got that. I do it all the time. She says, why are you shouting? You want it to be quiet. I don't know. Don't judge me because my parents do, please. <laughs> just ask my kids. They will. Um, Whenever we don't put structure, it says that we don't care enough to discipline or we're afraid the structure will affect the child. Somebody that does not allow structure is just really afraid uh, uh, that the structure would affect them. So by not doing anything, we basically tell the child we don't care. When we don't put structure, we don't care. Because God never didn't, he, God put structure in our life showing us that He cares. And so when it comes to biblical parenting, that discipline, that, that spank, that rod that you might have to get to, that's not that you want to do that. It's because you care and are going to do that. And you can't, you can't use that to your kids. I'm about to whoop you because I care. No, no, no. That, that, that's, the conversation has to be, this is why I have to whoop you. Because later down the road, you're going to make these decisions if I don't get you to correct it now. If I don't build a boundary of structure... For you to operate in, you're going to end up all the way over there. And when you're all the way over there, you might not ever make it back to this structure. It's heavy. Parenting is heavy. Parenting is heavy. I, I kind of tried to stop myself from crying there. Um, well, when you think about it, you are raising these little human beings and you're teaching them how to uh, react to the world and how to react under pressure. Something Josh always says is, it's good to let them have pressure. It's good. Because then they, they're going to have pressure in the world. They're going to have pressure at school. They're going to have pressure at college. They're going to have pressure on their job. And if you protect them and they don't have any pressure at home, then how are they going to react? They're you know, going to be little snowflakes. You know, you have to be able to build them to be tough enough to withstand pressure. Um, but it's at the right degree of it. You know, yeah. There's a beautiful balance there where that God wants us to enforce and make sure that it's for their good. Yeah, when you, when you create the structure, you allow things to come in. If there's no structure there, everything's coming in at once. You know, you can you can look at kids these days and people are saying, well, our kids are being inundated with more than they ever had. Well, maybe it's that our homes just aren't set up the way that they're supposed to be yeah. and allowing that protection. Because if I've got a home that's protected with some structure, again, I'm saying this twice tonight, it really doesn't matter what's going on out there. That's right. Because when my kid comes home, they can allow all that to go. But you don't know what's going on out there. I do know what's going on out there. But maybe it's because we as parents don't have that godly structure for them to come home in. So now they're going at school and receiving all this stuff. And then all they come home and as they get is a yelling father or a mother with no structure or whatever, whatever that looks like. And now their choice is the world because that's what they're in more times than they're at home. Um, structure is finding the middle ground, I think Cindy said. Uh, Hebrews. Hebrews 12.11 says this, uh, for, the time, for the time being, no discipline brings joy, uh, but seems sad and painful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness, right standing with God and a lifestyle and attitude that seeks 
comfort to God's will and purpose. So it says, for the time being, no discipline brings joy. When you don't discipline your child, that's a good thing. Like, I didn't have to be here today. Yay, we make, we make leaps and bounds. But in the long run, you're not teaching them anything. You're not, you're not providing that. And that's what Paul is saying in Hebrews here, because it doesn't yield peaceful fruit or righteousness. It doesn't allow them to grow. Now they're just, a, just without structure and, and just going everywhere. Uh, structure is not supposed to be fun at all times. A structure is established to protect from the elements. Literally, this building was established. Your home was established so that you had a place to lay your head down at night and you didn't have to worry about the coyotes coming and biting off your toes. It was a safe place. And that's the same as biblical parent, parenting that we're supposed to create a structure for our kids. Uh, by, by abandoning a biblical structure for our children, we leave them prone to the elements. What, what kind of love does that say? Well, brought you into this world. Good luck. Hope you come to my funeral. You know, that, that, that's, that's not helping them create. And I know we, we get a tickle out of that. But I'll just be quite honest. That's the way society's going. Why, why do you think these schools are stepping in and saying, we want to raise your kids? They're getting a lot of kids that are coming that don't have parenting. And so they're like, fine, if we've got to parent them, we're going to tell you how we're going to parent them. And we're going to do what we want to do with them. And so it, it's not about battling your school boards. Again, I, I'm sorry if I'm harping on a couple things. It, it's about creating structure in our home. It's about creating a biblical parenting foundation before they ever step into that. It, it's not too early to start biblical parenting, even though she's the one doing all the work right now. And she's doing all the work right now. <laughs> It's not too early to, to become to have conversations of, okay, when they're 12 and this takes place. Because if you don't, it looks like this. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? <laughs> and then you just get loud. Not that that happened to us or anything. But. Boundaries are set and established uh, by a godly parent, uh, not a society, societal cult, cultural. Culture. I wanted to just jump in. I know we're almost out of time, but as we're talking oh, yeah. about these boundaries, it makes me think a lot of right now, um, there's this debate in my home about amount of Wi-Fi. I shouldn't be turned off at 8 o'clock. My friends have it until 2 a.m. Or, you know, there's these comparisons. Why do you shut me down? Why does all my... I love the Circle app. If you have issues with your network at home, talk to me. I have this great app. But I think my son's figured out how to get around it. I'm not solved that problem yet. But I'm going to get there. Um, but I'm just saying, they are getting smarter than we are. And more, they're more getting more tech savvy at a quicker rate than we can keep up. So it does pay to know a little bit about the computer. And it does pay to know a little bit about technology and the web and how you can restrict it. But those are the comparisons that you're going to hear as your kids get older. Well, my friends, they get to have theirs until 11 o'clock. Why am I the nerd that's off at 8 o'clock? Well, that's because we have boundaries in this house. And if we gave you till 11, you'd be on it for seven hours. And we don't want you on it. You know, you're, I'm a bad parent. I'm uncool because I do that. And that's okay. Usually when I'm not cool, I'm doing something right. And you'll learn that, that it's okay when they're mad at me then I'm doing something that the Lord probably pleases the Lord. And so it is a, it's a, it's a balancing game with these kids in, in today's society. And she hit on this a little bit before, but the one child isn't always parented the same way as the other. It's age dependent. And you may have a 16-year-old and a 15-year-old, and 16-year-old may be a female, and the 15-year-old may be a male. Maybe those are your children. And you might have to have different rules for the 16-year-old and the 15-year-old. The baseline is the same. But there might be something. Why? Because maybe when the 16-year-old was younger, something happened. And so now you have to make sure that they're protected. And, and we don't always realize that, but it's the same with us. We're not all the same. We're not all cookie cutter. We're not all the same. And, and Jay may have experienced something different than I. That's why I had to be raised the way that I was. Because otherwise, I it's all, we're all part of God's plan, right? right? And we just need to make sure that our children are raised that way. And I'm going to stop uh, for tonight, and we'll pick this up next week. Um, but uh, so if you take anything out of this, um, hopefully you took some notes, but we're talking about godly kindness, godly structure, godly correction, and then next week we will finish it up with uh, godly consistency.
because that's the biggest key in parenting. And the number one tip is that kids are a blessing. Yes, Grandma. You know, I just wish I had something like this for my children. Yeah. But they're all grown up and gone. I know that you did a great job, though, regardless. I do too, Grandma. I wish somebody had, I had yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot we don't know that we just take for granted because this is the way that I was raised again. But we don't do our Christian walk that way. No. But when it comes to parent, my, uh, my dad growing up, and this is just to be a little point about him, but you didn't talk to people about their money. Right. And you didn't talk to them about how they raised their kids. Right. Two, two things that you stayed out of. But we don't mind talking to people about it if they fall. Let me help you up. Right? That's what a Christian is supposed to do. Right. But all of a sudden, when it comes to parenting, well, I'm going to pray for you, kid, but let me say what. We, we don't get in there. Even though we dedicate them, and we all lift our hands, and we all pray that we're going to help them, we, we don't do that. And I think God is, is if, if there's ever a time that God is calling the church, it's calling us back to the biblical parenting uh, as a community and as a body. So. Okay. No,